Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy feast. Happy feast. Just pronounce We say it if we mean it. Happy feast. Happy feast. It is a feast in the middle of Lent. Always moving around, but sometime in the middle of Lent. Just when we're getting used to fasting, we have the feast of the Annunciation of the Mother of God. Today, this time, this year, the Feast of the Annunciation of the Theotokos happens on the Sunday of St. Gregory of Palamas. And I want to start by reminding of you of the hymn that is sung on the third antiphon at this time of the Feast of the Annunciation. Today is the beginning of our salvation, the revelation of the eternal mystery. The Son of God becomes the Son of the Virgin as Gabriel announces the coming of grace. Together with him, let us cry to Theotokos, rejoice, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Today is the beginning of our salvation. It's a wonderful cry, a call to remind us what are we preparing for and to remind us not only what the end of the Paschal season, the Lenten season will be, but to remind us again what the beginning is. And of course, there's a very good reason, very practical reason why we commemorate, remember the feast of the Theotokos, the Annunciation at this point, is because it's only nine months to Christmas. Yay. <laughs> only nine months to the birth of Jesus Christ. We commemorate and remember the whole story. At this point in Lent, as we're starting to focus our mind and think about the end of Jesus' Christ's life and his crucifixion and his resurrection, we also remember his birth, his preparation for the day of salvation. Now, today, is the beginning of our salvation. Not strictly accurate because our salvation has been prepared from before all time. But now is the point at which Mary receives the good news, receives the gospel that she is to bear God into the world. Now this can be, become a little bit complicated and technical, <coughs> particularly because we are also celebrating St. Gregory of Palamas. St. Gregory of Palamas defended a very important piece of theology, an idea that is quite important to our understanding of our Christianity and also to understand what is exactly happening here when Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus and at Christmas gives birth to him. What is, what is going on here? Because in the Orthodox Church, we use our terms, our words, quite carefully. We use the term birth-giver of God, or in the Greek, theotokos, the bearer of God. Sometimes in English, in some of the hymns, you'll hear the phrase, mother of God. And it's not strictly accurate, and we have to be quite careful. And Gregory Palamas's theory or idea 
of the divine essences and the procession of the divine energies might help us. So some of this is particularly difficult even for the grown-ups, probably for me as well. I'm going to try and explain roughly what uh, Gregory Palamas is trying to say by the use of the candle, and particularly the light of the candle. Now from this distance, this light of, your can of this candle is not burning your eyes, is it? It's not hurting your eyes. But the closer you get to this candle, the light that comes from the candle becomes ever more piercing through your eyes. And from this distance, I suspect you're not warming your hands on this candle yet. But there is heat coming from this candle. If I get about that close, about a centimetre away, I can feel that heat. And the closer I get, the greater that heat is. In the centre of a candle light is a dark spot. Black flame. Black light. Look at it carefully. There's a black light in the centre of that candle. Always, and all candles, not this one, this is not special. And from that black light comes visible light. If we're very, very close to it, we all can't see much. We get blinded, our retina gets a little bit burnt out, and all we see is red dots when we look away. So the best use of a candle is to use it to show you other things. You use this candle to see other things. But looking at the candle itself isn't terribly helpful to you. And the same is true with the warmth. If we get too close, we'll burn ourselves. We become destroyed by that. It's of no <coughs> good to us. One might even make the pun, it's a bit hellish, if we get too close to the sun, to the light of God. Gregory Palamas doesn't use this language, and I'm trying to simplify it, and I will make incredibly big mistakes for those who are professional theologians. But we can think of the dark light, the black light in the centre, as being God the Father. It's still, and it's actually quite cold. Black light in the centre of the candle is actually less hot than the yellow light just at the top of the um, grey or black section. So God the Father is the dark light right in the middle, the black light. It's still and quite cold. It doesn't move, it doesn't change. But as you can see, as people move around, the visible part of the candle moves. There are three things going on here. There is the stillness in the centre of the candle, the coldness. But there is light coming from the candle, and there's also heat coming from the candle, from the light itself. The heat that comes from this candle is not the same as the dark light in the middle, is it? It's different. Even though it comes from the darkness in the centre, it's not the same. And the same is true of the light that comes from it. The light allows us to see things. If we could snip off all the light the yellow parts of this flame and just have the dark bit in the middle, it wouldn't light anything. It wouldn't shine forth. <coughs> and we can think of the Trinity and we can think of the divine essences or divine energies, forgive me, the divine energies of God as being God the Father is the unknowable part in the centre of the candle. That cold, dark, still, unmoving and unmoved part of the candle light.
And the procession of the Holy Spirit is the warmth that gives us energy. And the light by which we see the presence of God in his creation is the Son of God. They are different from the dark light at the centre, but they are from that dark light in the centre. And Gregory Palamas defends this idea that the divine essence of God doesn't affect and is not affected by his creation. But the energies of God, the procession of God into his creation is vitally important for us to accept and proclaim. Not that God becomes so much part of his creation that we become pantheists, that the creation is God, but creation is suffused, soaked in, lit, enlightened by God the Father. And the Son of God becomes quite important in this respect. And to proclaim the Annunciation as important is even more critical for us. Because to remind ourselves that Mary is the birth giver of God, the bearer of God, the Theotokos, tells us that Mary is not just the mother of God, she's actually something much more important than a mother of a child. As a father of a child, they beget that child at that time. When two people come together and one the woman becomes pregnant, that's at the point at which that person is created. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't created at the point that Mary becomes pregnant. Jesus is begotten before all ages. And what does that mean, to be begotten before all ages? Well, before all ages is a kind of uh, a meme, an idea, a way of describing what we could possibly now say beyond all space and time. We much more talk about space and time. We talk about light speed and being able to travel in time and travel backwards in time. We understand that time works in a particular way. Perhaps the fathers of the church also understood that, but they used the phrase before all ages, or even from above, and thinking of the heavens as above. Not that there is a place just a few miles up that's called heaven that's got clouds around your feet and angels with harps. That's not how it works. But by heaven above, by before all ages, <laughs> they mean beyond space and time. And we can only know and think of stuff and experience stuff inside space and time. Beyond space and time there is no motion. There is nothing. There is not even a nothing. It's because nothing is the absence of something. And therefore it's completely Un beyond our ability to understand. And yet, God proceeds, or might I be careful, God's essences proceed as energies into space and time. Jesus Christ, begotten before all, all time and space, comes into space and time, into the womb of Mary. Mary 
adds her humanity to that so that Jesus is human, but he's also God. He's also begotten before all ages. He is the incarnation of God. And when we use the word incarnation, we think of being a carnivore, a person who eats flesh. The carne part means body, flesh, the enfleshment of God inside his creation. So when we get to Christmas, we have a tendency to go, oh, bless us, that lovely, Mary's given birth to a baby. Sweet. It is sweet, but it's also awesome. It's also awful. It is outstanding. It is beyond all understanding, beyond all comprehension. Because that dark, cold, still part of the candle has become the white light and the yellow light of the flame and lightens the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.